0: Welcome to Transition Talk, a podcast by Accenture where it's all about our energy needs in the future. In this 10th episode, we discuss the future of heat networks, one of the main technical challenges in our ambitions for a sustainable world without fossil fuels. What exactly are heat networks? How sustainable are they? Which sources of heat are the best suppliers for the networks? My name is Maria Punch, and with me today are Bart De Hu, Manager Team Green Heat Sources from Vattenfall. Rit Verhezen, project leader heat networks of the city of Antwerp, and Henk Jan Top, utility expert energy, water and waste from Accenture. Hi everyone, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Nice to have you. Bart, I'd like to start with you. We use the term heat networks, but sometimes we also hear the term district heating. Is there a difference?
1: No, I don't really think so. I think they are just two. Uh, terms for the same uh, thing uh, in in the basis uh, a heat network or a district heating system consists of three components uh, we have uh, a central heat source or several central heat sources then a distribution system pipes in the ground to transport the warm water that the heat sources have heated transport that warm water to the final customer and the final customer then yeah gets the warm water to heat their houses or to use the shower etc. And thereby a district heating system is a good sustainable alternative uh, for heating our houses with natural gas.
0: Yeah, we'll continue on that. Um, Britt, you're the project leader of the heat networks in Antwerp. Uh, What is the status of heat networks there? Yeah, so we
2: don't have historical uh, district heating networks. Uh We have mainly individual gas boilers, but we want to roll out one of the largest uh, in in Belgium uh, in the whole city. So our view is to have a a citywide district heating network connecting multiple sources of heat with um, certain uh, neighborhoods which are defined by our heat zoning plan. And we have developed a roadmap for that uh, that focuses on all the the chains that uh, Bart just explained.
0: Mm, Some uh, interesting challenges there and uh, we'll elaborate on that also. Uh, Brings me to Henk Jan. Um, From your perspective as a consultant at Accenture, Um, In what way are you interested in the future of heat networks?
3: Well, we are in the midst of an energy transition and district heating plays an important role in realizing this energy transition towards a sustainable future. And there's a big change coming. No one can do this alone. So the energy transition provides a relevant market opportunity for Accenture to support our clients on the path to Net Zero.
0: Um, at the moment, there is a war going on in Ukraine. Do you feel that that has opened our eyes in a certain way that perhaps people who were not so much involved in sustainability now feel a new sense of urgency?
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, from a sustainability perspective, there's, of course, a need to move to uh, to move away from fossil fuels, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we already knew that we need to do that. Governments and businesses have put in place policies, targets and plans to realize that but we also know it's not going fast enough, right? Mm. We need to accelerate. And if you look at the war in Ukraine, I mean that has opened our eyes and we have seen a dependency on a country like Russia which you mm. might not want to have in that way. Yeah. We also see a big market disruption in price. And so people have difficulties in paying the energy bills and the government is almost providing a blank check to uh to which is not sustainable for the future, right?
0: Yeah, to support the households
3: currently yes. in the Netherlands. Yes. Yeah. But if you if you look at the war in ukraine and district heating as a solution to move away from natural gas we also really need to rethink our source mix of natural gas for the district heating because it's still an important uh, part of the system
0: heat networks are only a sustainable solution for a fossil free future as the sources of heat for the networks are green Um, so which sources do we use at the moment
1: yeah, no, indeed, I think you're fully right. Huh? So the uh, district heating network is as sustainable as the heat sources that that feed it. Mm-hmm. And I think traditionally uh, we've seen uh, district heating systems uh, emerge mostly in places where there were installations that had a lot of excess heat. Uh, and, and two prime examples are our power stations. and waste incinerators so i think that's also where we see a lot of the district heating grids today Mm -hmm. and uh, to take maybe the the power stations uh, like uh, if you have a a power station on on natural gas if it would produce just power it would maybe have an efficiency of 50 or 60 Mm percent but if it can produce heat and power at the same time that efficiency increases to 90 percent uh, so it makes good sense then to use that heat for a district heating system and thereby increase the total efficiency and that's for example also what we do here in uh, in Amsterdam and thereby uh, the, the heat that we deliver uh, realizes about a 50% co2 savings compared to a house with an individual individual uh, gas boiler and in the same way i think waste incinerators also have a lot of excess heat uh, yeah. People sometimes wonder, like, oh, uh, uh, heat from a waste incinerator, is that really sustainable? Uh, but I think that uh, the waste incinerators that we have today uh, in the Netherlands, huh, they are there because we simply still live in a society where not all the goods that we consume can be recycled or reused. And so part of that is uh, yeah, combusted in a waste incinerator. And as long as that is the case, huh, it makes good sense to then make useful use of the energy that is released in that combustion for power and for heat.
0: Sure. Um, could you give some examples of other sources that are used or experimented with currently?
1: Yes, I think uh, already today we see quite some new heat sources already uh, coming online, uh, so we are also building an uh, electrical boiler in the district heating grid of uh, of Amsterdam. Um, several district heating grids have also introduced uh, biomass installations for um, uh, as a heat source. We see heat extraction from water bodies, uh, aquathermal energy mm-hmm. uh, geothermal energy where heat is extracted from uh, deep in the ground, so yeah, I think we see uh yeah a big diversification starting in this heat source mix,
0: yeah um so Britt, what is the status of network heating in Antwerp? Where are you now?
2: So we are still at the beginning of all uh, of all our network. We do have uh, a pilots. Uh Case, but this is uh, at a new building site. Mm-hmm. And we want to uh, connect all the existing houses, um, so we have a large ambition. Uh, but next year we are starting with our roadmap 2030 to uh, to have this uh, this great network in collaboration with our port of Antwerp and Bruch and, uh, and our grid operator Fluvis. So
0: right. we have a strategic partnership. And um, is it a residential area that you are currently involved with? Is that like is there uh, the building of new houses? Where the heat uh, network is involved?
2: In the pilot case, it's a residential case. Yep. Um, and also in the existing housing that we see are the
0: residential, the residential market. Right. And what are your heat sources currently? What are you working with?
2: Because we have these old existing houses that we need to connect. We need high temperature sources. So we are uh, using uh, in first place the petrochemical cluster, which is next to the, the city in the harbor. Right. Um, so the, the industri- industry creates a lot of waste heat. Uh, this is enough to heat up the entire city. So we need to use this uh, for heating. Yeah. But we also have uh, other opportunities like a wastewater uh, treatment plant, which we can also get heat from. Yes. Um, and then we also look at low temperature sources like our canal, the Schelde, where we get uh, low temperature heat from and shallow geothermal, which is in the underground, not the deep underground.
0: Yeah, so from the uh, perspective of the sources, you are actually in a very positive uh, position. Uh, I can imagine that you work closely with the city of Antwerp, uh, with the city council. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, sure. So
2: as a a city, they they really want to be in the driver's seat of this whole network. um, Because we don't have um, a lot of regulation yet in in Flanders. We don't have the heat law like in the Netherlands. so it's really important that as a city, we, we name the, the roles of, of each partner that there is. So yeah. we can get an efficient and, and a quick rollout and that everyone knows what, uh, which part that they can play. And also that the that neighborhoods that, that we see as, as, uh, as efficient for district heating network, that they get developed. Right. So we really want to have a, a directive role in this as a city.
0: And approximately about how many houses are we talking right now?
2: Um, till 2030, we want to connect some 30,000 houses. So that mm-hmm. is from Antwerp uh, 10% of uh, of our whole patrimony. Um, and in well, 2050, we want to go to the half of the city. So it's a really large uh, ambition that we have for district heating.
0: Yeah, henk On that, that does, does sound very ambitious. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how Accenture helps customers to make that transition? Because a lot is involved.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And And I mean district heating has been there for quite some time but there are a lot of new developments there new heat sources sustainable heat sources uh, new houses being built Um, so how we typically help our clients and let me give three examples is for example one is how do you build the business capabilities Mm -hmm. so what do you need to be able to do as a company or a group of companies to make this happen and things like portfolio management where to build the networks Mm -hmm. things like running the capital projects how do you run a big investment project like this Mm -hmm. but also afterwards how do you run and operate your network and do the customer service so that's one example and secondly in the netherlands you see that connection cost is one of the biggest points in the business case and also regulated right how much does a connection is allowed to cost yeah so we help lower these costs by standardization by doing better planning by doing operational excellence and maybe lastly, uh, build the digital capabilities, the digital backbone. What do you need in IT systems to run mm-hmm. a heat company? And for example, how do you operate a heat network through, for example, a digital twin, where you monitor, where you optimize, where you simulate, and where you can run a self-sustained grid?
0: I can also imagine that cooperation is key.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where you see different uh, collaborations happening, right? Sometimes it's the public companies, sometimes it's the private companies, and you see different uh, different ways of organization across countries, but also in the Netherlands, where you have many successes. And I think we need each other to make this uh, transition happen.
0: I can see you nodding uh, in agreement, Bart.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, indeed. But, uh, I think also on the heat source side, I would see also it's very important to yeah to collaborate closely with the different uh, stakeholders. So, for example, recently we also updated the, uh, the the heat source strategy for, for Amsterdam, for example. And we really did that together uh, uh, with uh, the, 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 yeah, the, the municipality of, uh, of Amsterdam. And I think that that really works.
0: So Bart, I think we should talk about affordability as well. I can imagine on the one hand, uh, huge investments necessary. And on the other hand is the consumer. What is the consumer prepared to pay?
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, indeed... Uh, and I think, from an affordability point of view, huh, we see that district heating, especially for urban areas, uh, typically comes up as, as the most affordable alternative to natural gas. So it will typically be be cheaper uh, in urban areas than, for example, in all-electric uh, uh, solutions. Um, but then I think, as you also say, there there are often still a lot of questions about okay, but what exactly is the price of mm-hmm. heat and that mm-hmm. the customer pays. Uh, and the uh, the price of heat uh, in the Netherlands is regulated by the government, and the government does this uh, to protect uh, the the heat customer, uh, because the heat customer cannot choose its heat supplier, uh, and therefore the uh, the government protects them that they don't pay too much. And the way this currently works in the Netherlands is that uh, the regulator sets a maximum price that heat companies can charge to the customer right. And this maximum price for heat is linked to the gas price um a, a, in a way that a customer that gets heat does not pay more than in a, a case where he would not have had heat but he would have had a gas ba- uh, boiler mm-hmm. in, in beautiful english that's <laughs> the, the dutch uh, not more than otherwise uh, principle yeah. That, yeah. Is, uh, that is supplied here um, and i think that has worked uh, uh, quite well huh, in, in the past but um In a system where you act want to actually move away from natural gas Mm -hmm. such a gas uh, referenced uh, pricing may not be uh, the best anymore and also in a situation like today where gas prices are super volatile super high Mm -hmm. also linking the heat price to that gas price may not be the best way anymore and i think that's why it's foreseen also in the new heat law uh, in the netherlands that we will move away from a gas-based price to more cost plus model where the Mm -hmm. price of heat is based on the actual cost of the district heating system right and actually i think that we are already applying that today Mm -hmm. if you look at how much the maximum gas price uh, the gas price has gone up also the maximum heat price has gone up a lot uh, but if you look now in, in 2022 the price that we actually charge is already a lot lower so it's already actually you could say today we're in a cost uh, plus based system but having said that i think it's important to realize that uh, also if you're in a cost plus based system um, many heat sources in district heating grids in their cost they are still linked somehow to energy markets Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. not that with a cost plus system that the price will not change over time anymore no and 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 maybe i can give two or three examples to, to illustrate that as that I mentioned before already, that a lot of the uh, district heating grids also have a, a gas power stations to produce the heat. And these gas power stations now need to pay a lot more for their gas. Yeah. Uh, so also the electricity and the heat becomes more expensive. Uh, and another example would be maybe if you have residual heat from a data center, then typically you still need electricity and a heat pump to increase the temperature of these heats such that you can actually heat your house with it. Now, these electricity prices are also going up a lot today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. also residual heat from a data center, yeah, does become more expensive in a situation like today. And maybe the third example is that uh, uh, green heat sources, also like geothermal uh, heat, they uh, in the Netherlands receive a subsidy from the government to right. keep them affordable. But this subsidy is designed in such a way that if the gas price increases, you get less subsidy. And yeah. with the very high gas prices that we see today, there's no subsidy at all anymore. And that also means that the geothermal heat for the customer, because it doesn't receive subsidy anymore, becomes more expensive. Yeah. So I think to, to sum it up, I think uh, we're moving away from a, a gas price-based uh, system to more a cost-plus system, um, but that's also under a cost-plus system uh the 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 price of heat is still going to be directly or indirectly somehow linked to the general energy market so it's not going to be completely decoupled for it having said that uh, it's still today also a lot cheaper to be on district heating (laughs) than it is on gas
0: yeah Uh, so it's very much interconnected and it's actually quite complicated um i can imagine in belgium the situation is slightly different uh, but I, I also imagine we would hope for in the long run uh, to make that district heating or heat networks uh, affordable.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, we are also debating about uh, the price in, in, in uh, the city of Antwerp with Flanders with uh, our grid operator uh, because it was also based on the gas price mm-hmm. and we want to go away from that. Uh, maybe another alternative, the, the uh, sustainable alternative like heat pumps uh, and see what what is the, the best the best practice and and compare your price with that but as a city we found it really important that um, that the the customers have a fair price so that they also have the same price if you live in the north side or the south side of the city that you can, mm-hmm. that you can operate on the, that you can buy heat with the same price and not um and not from the source that is close the, the most close, close by, by because right the district heating of uh, waste heat is more cheaper than than another source but the price has to be fair for every customer, for every consumer in the city. So that's what we um, found really important and and are debating
0: about in the city. Yeah. So accessibility and affordability uh, together. Yeah. Um, Henk-Jan, you advise as a consultant, um, is there something you could say about the business case? Uh, What are the challenges or opportunities perhaps there?
3: yeah i think what we all need to realize is that we are in the midst of the energy transition right and mm-hmm. the energy transition costs money and someone needs to pay for it and we need to balance that in a way that uh, with with the uh, the companies the subsidies of the government but also the end consumer in the end to move towards a system that is affordable and sustainable for all without su- subsidies and i mean if we would have found it out From the beginning, we would not have started, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think we are now moving to a system. We all know that price is an element, but also sustainability is an element. We need to move away from fossil fuels. I think district heating and the business cases behind district heating, especially like Bart said, in the the cities, is a really good um, uh, alternative to the fossil fuel that we currently use in the Netherlands.
0: You're listening to Transition Talk, a podcast series by Accenture about the future of energy. In this episode, it's all about network heating and its sources. My guests are Bart De Hu, manager Team Green Heat Sources from Vattenfall, Britt Verhezen, project leader Heat Networks at the city of Antwerp, and Henk-Jan Top, utility expert energy, water and waste from Accenture. Now, we talked about network heating, the differences between the Netherlands and Belgium, or at least Antwerp, and the affordability. Uh, Now we're going to concentrate on the sources of heat the networks run on and their so-called resource mix. Um, Bart, you mentioned earlier the e-boiler. We want to know more about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So the uh, uh, the e-boiler is, uh, uh, in essence, it's an electrical boiler. So it converts power into heat. And in the most basic uh, sense, you could compare it to your uh, um, kitchen electric kettle. Mm -hmm. uh, That also produces uh, hot water out of electricity. Only that this uh, e-boiler uh, for uh, the district heating grid of uh, Amsterdam and Almere then will be about 150,000 times larger than your kitchen electric right. kettle. Um, and what this kettle c- can do is that uh, we, um, particularly in hours where there's a lot of um electricity from renewable sources Mm -hmm. or there's really an excess of this electricity from uh, fossil free sources then we can use the e-boiler in a sustainable way to use this renewable electricity to produce green power and uh, to make sure that uh, we all are in agreement also that what are the right moments to put on the e-boiler because you don't want to put it on for example when it would be uh, when the electricity comes from a coal plant Mm -hmm. so together with uh, Tenet uh, uh, the grid operator and uh, the government we um, made a a method to really determine what are the right moments to put this e-boiler on and I think this the the amount of hours per year that this will be the case will be more and more because we're going to have more wind and more uh, solar panels in the Netherlands Mm -hmm. so then there will also be more hours where we have an excess amount of renewable power and then with this um, uh, yeah, e-boiler, we can then produce the heat, feed that into the, uh, the district heating grid, And if we perhaps produce more heat that we can use at that moment, then we also have a large heat buffer next to it mm-hmm. so that we can store the heat in the heat buffer and use it at a later moment in time.
0: I've seen some illustrations, and I think it already has a nickname. It's called like the the in Dutch, or the thermos flask. Yeah. We will spot it once it's in place, I suppose, uh, yes, I guess in the, the firmos, landscape.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. guess the thermos flask is already there. So that's right. the heat storage. Yeah. And this is the kettle, and the kettle is actually quite small, so okay. you won't see it so well. But it will store also its heat in this big, big uh, thermos flask that you can already see uh, today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brit, are you working on a similar technique in uh, in Antwerp? Uh, no, we
2: don't have any uh, large kettles yet uh, in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is interesting innovation, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but what we are now looking for is more a more sustainable way to provide our peak and backup. Right. And I don't think that is suitable technology for that, but I, I do think that it has a place in district heating. Mm-hmm. And also in, in the neighborhoods where you don't have district heating, you can use this. I, I'm thinking of Antwerp and our, our neighborhoods that we want to connect all electric. Mm-hmm. Um, This could be interesting, so I'm glad that I got to know someone who
0: knows more about it. (laughs) Uh, You can have coffee together and uh, discuss (laughs) things after the podcast. Um, Henk-Jan, is this the kind of innovation uh, that can bring things forward?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, as we said, currently there is still quite a big dependency on fossil fuels when it comes to district Mm. heating and the sources of district heating. We also need to look at, let's say, the longevity of the availability of these sources, right? Uh, Bart mentioned the... um, incineration from waste at the same time if you want to move to a circular economy by 2050 do we then still have the waste to incinerate to provide district heating so we will need to move to a mix of sources preferably sustainable sources mm-hmm. um, and i think this is a great example
0: yeah Um bart what is the ratio now um when it comes to uh, heat networks uh, fossil for versus uh, sustainable Ooh,
1: would you well, put a number on that yeah i wouldn't approximately? know approximately exact number and then also you get a bit into the debate whether uh, waste incineration whether you count that as as sustainable uh or not but i think what you do see is that i think uh, all the heat sources that are now added to the new uh district heating grids for for growth uh, are typically all green heat sources um and also we see uh, a step-by-step replacement of these existing sources uh, that i agree uh, very much with uh, what Hank Jan said is that uh, we, uh, They will be, uh, also these, these power stations on natural gas, they have done a great job in the past to provide reliable, affordable uh, heat and, and still uh, reduce a lot of CO2, mm-hmm. but to fully decarbonize, yeah, we're going to need to uh, phase them out step by step and replace them with green heat sources.
0: Yeah. So just checking, there is not a district heating system currently. Uh, run for a hundred percent on oh, sure they, they,
1: yeah. they, they exist indeed. Okay. Uh, they, they will not be the largest district heating grids but for example also out today our district heating grid in um, in Lelystad uh, that runs uh on uh, uh biomass uh, boilers uh, so uh renewable biomass uh, and with just a little bit of um, a, a peak boiler still on natural gas so that's let's say 90 percent from renewable sources and also there you do see sh- shifts over time. Eh? We want to add there a geothermal heat source to replace biomass for really the, the, the year-round baseload uh, mm-hmm. uh, heat demand. And then biomass is only needed uh, kind of in, in, in winter to top on, on top of the geothermal uh, source. So also within sustainable heat networks, we see also shifts in, in uh, the heat source mix over time. Mm.
0: Another important aspect of this whole story is the security of supply um, how are you tackling that, uh, Brit? In uh, in Antwerp,
2: ah, uh, yeah, that's really important, of course. Uh, we are only working with long term contracts, so that is that's one part to to secure the supply. Mm-hmm. Um, Multi source network, so more sources uh, as time passes, so that you have uh, that you have a redundant network. Right. Um, we're also exploring other ways for transportation, um, floating floating heat on a boat. Then you wow. can connect. Uh, sources that are, are further and, and connect the heat from that. So I think that our, our, uh, our mix of, uh,
0: of ingredients. Yeah. Are those kind of experiments already going on or pilots? Uh, starting up. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so Bart, how do you think we can expand heat networks in, for example, Amsterdam? What is the potential?
1: Yeah, so uh, there's still a lot of potential for growth eh? and i think this is also what you see in the plans of the of the city eh? to uh, yeah triple or quadruple the amount of houses that uh, that will be connected um uh, of course that uh, is all a bit more uncertain today also with uh with the uncertainty that we now have around the heat law but i think that's maybe a topic for uh, for a separate uh, podcast sure. um and also for this growth eh, we will need uh, new heat sources eh? so i think uh Yeah, we we will see really the development a lot of these new green heat sources Uh, and i agree very much with what was said uh, before that uh, i think it's very important today a lot of the district heating grids have maybe one large uh, central heat source uh, this power station or this waste incinerator but yeah we think their role over time will diminish um and also for these renewable uh these new green heat sources it's good to have a diversified mix that you don't depend on a single technology uh, Mm -hmm. in the future. But I think that's also one of the great benefits of district heating that once you have the grid in place, Mm -hmm. uh, you can replace one heat source by another and the heat grid stays in place and the final customer doesn't need to uh, make any changes to its house.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, So we're sort of wrapping up the conversation uh, slowly but surely. Um, Henk-Jan, what role do you think Accenture can play in, let's say, the next seven to 10 years um, in the expansion of heat networks?
3: Yeah, I think it's coming back to, uh, let's say, helping customer skill, right? I mean, new companies need to be set up, new partnerships need to be set up. Sometimes departments need to be set up. So there's a huge opportunity to help there, right? With the, uh, let's say, standardization in how do you run a heat company? How do you run your projects? How mm-hmm. do you run the operations? So we are more than happy to share, to uh, help our clients with that.
0: Uh, back to you, Britt. Um, are some strong ambitions in Antwerp. Um, you explained a bit about that. If we have our eyes on 2030, where is Antwerp going to be?
2: Well, if everything goes according to plan, yeah. we will have the largest district heating network in Belgium with multiple sources and with lots of lessons learned, I guess. Um It's really helpful, like today, that we can debate about this and that we can share knowledge because I really think that together we can jump a lot higher and a lot faster in this energy transition.
0: Yeah, in that case, uh, Antwerp is definitely, I suppose, a showcase uh, nationally, but perhaps also internationally. And um, yeah, Bart, so the next seven years up to 2030, what is going to be the most interesting development from your perspective?
1: Yeah, well hopefully we'll we'll see a lot of growth of the district heating grids and also new district heating grids uh, emerge and on the on the heat source side uh, yeah i think we'll see a lot new green heat sources coming on board a very diversified uh, mix from geothermal data center residual heat aqua thermal and that will really set us up well for a robust affordable and sustainable district heating grids uh, in the future.
0: So now we know what the future of heat networks looks like. Thanks to Bart de Hu, manager Team Green Heat Sources from Vattenfall. Britt Verhezen, project leader heat networks of the city of Antwerp. And Henk Jan Top, utility expert energy, water and waste from Accenture. My name is Maria Punch. Thank you for listening to Transition Talk, a podcast series by Accenture. Also check out our other episodes. You can find them on any podcast platform. We'll be back soon with interesting topics about the energy transition. In the meantime, stay safe and be sustainable.